Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review baby, uh, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2 by. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick here to review. And what do you know, Sidge, when you try, Rampage is good. Yes, I really, really, really enjoyed last week's edition of... This Rampage, baby. This is... Rampage. <laughs> it was just a quintessentially, this is wrestling magic edition of All Elite Wrestling Television. This is what I watch it for. I don't necessarily watch it for, like... Really solid, well-plotted, quite intricate TV that sometimes goes on longer than it needs to, worked by some really talented guys. Like, I first fell in love with this promotion for the idea that it was the best one in my lifetime of realizing the sheer scope of possibility that the form offers and can offer, and... At its very best, I do think this is the best promotion I've watched in my lifetime. And this embodied that it is that I love about it. And even when it wasn't this amazing, surreal experience, I thought it was quite good. Maybe I was in a good mood. and I was Set more, your alarm for this one. Indeed, I set my alarm for it 5 to 6, I woke up. And maybe I was more receptive to stuff that otherwise I would have said, nah, it was solid. But no, I had a great time watching all of this hour, but particularly the first 15 minutes. Yes, and I enjoyed it as well. I watched it um, on, on Saturday too, and for the first time in, uh, well, I can't remember how long, we got to, it's time for the main event, and I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this show to be over. Yeah. 
And that speaks volumes for how much of a difference that it isn't you and I either Sunday night or Monday morning going, we've got to do our bloody homework for Rampage. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's start at the beginning of the show because I still can't believe I say this as a sentence. The show opened with Orange Cassidy versus Katsuyori Shibata with Mike Tyson on commentary. It's one of those things where we've come so far around this weird circle now where I know the main meme template on Twitter is, just as we all thought in 2022, Orange Cassidy's working, Katsuyori Shibata on Rampage. <laughs> if anything, now that is the new normal of just yeah. weirdness in this professional wrestling year of 2022, so I think we need to retire that meme. Mm. Anything less than this, if we don't get things of this ilk within the next six months, something will have gone Weird, and by that I mean normal. <laughs> yes. Um, we'll talk about the match, obviously, in a second. Just quickly, your thoughts on Mike Tyson on commentary? Because I thought it was, it was something very different. He was just incredibly biased towards Orange Cassidy in parts. But I thought he was a, a, a welcome, brief addition to that commentary team. Yeah, for obvious reasons, with which yes. I don't yeah, want yeah, yeah. to you know, libel myself with. I'm not the biggest proponent of Mike Tyson appearing in AEW. I could do without it, quite frankly. But... If I'm detaching myself from all of it, I thought he did an all right job. He was clearly, um, you know, well, I can't say that, but he didn't seem very laid back, shall we say. Mm. And you couldn't tell whether it's just his disposition or whether he was being fed lines. So at one point he corrected maybe even Excalibur or uh, certainly yes. Jim Ross, so not an STO, but I don't know if it was just saying, look, if it was worked of his apparent love, knowledge, and passion of pro wrestling... It could have been worked because he said things five seconds after they sort of happened or whatever. I swear at one point he said abominable stretch as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, that's what wrestling is, is a giant work. And if they can convince you that the celebrity is endorsing it all, that's the point of having a celebrity. And the thing is, was he delayed because he was being relayed instructions? Mm -hmm. Or is that just kind of how, where his brain is yeah, at this yeah. point in his life? I uh, I did like, because you very rarely get this in a wrestling uh, con context, of like the match is finished and they're like, well, well, you know, spoilers, everyone. Big victory for Orange Cassidy retains the All-Atlantic uh, Championship. And normally they go, wow, what a finish, blah, blah, blah. Here's what happened. And that show, it's being shown on the screen, obviously. And like, never really do you get someone going, I didn't think he had it at one point, but he got it in the end. Yeah. That's what Mike Tyson said. But anyway, let's talk about the match itself because... Um, yeah, it was just so surreal and so enjoyable at the same time. Yeah, a bit of a video package of like, here's the Shibata that you may not have been introduced to before. If this is a new few, this is his second match in five years. Third, technically, he worked Zack Sabre Jr. in a five-minute UWFI rules exhibition. Yes, sorry, yeah. And then he worked a very carefully constructed match with Renneri at Wrestle Kingdom that may or may not have been the original plan. Um, depending on who you speak to or the extent to which you believe the kayfabe of the scenario. But in that match, unlike this one, he didn't take a bump or a strike to the head. Yeah, it was... It was. I felt very nervous initially watching this match and then was just like, ah, these are two pros, it's absolutely fine. Uh, it almost was. <laughs> yeah, Jesus you, Christ. I'm sure you'll mention that. So, start off, they square up. You can tell Orange Cassidy's kind of living his dream, uh, but also... Doesn't want to shoot, hit him too hard because all the baggage that comes with Shibata now, of course. Shibata, none of those concerns. Just start oh, to bat you then. If you're going to be a little bitch and sort of hold back on your punches, then I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Grabs a headlock, immediately goes to the punt. Uh, Cassidy knocks him to the floor. 
hissing with a tope. They take turns chucking each other into the barricades. Uh, get so obsessed with that, they almost get counted out. Uh, and they dive in, goes to break. When we come back, Cassidy hits his diving DDT off the middle rope. And you're going, well, I guess Shabbat's taking bumps then. Yeah. Um, Catches Cassidy does Shibata uh, and uh, mocks, his, mocks his little kicks. And so Cassidy fires back and eventually does the Shibata pose, of course. Um, I can't remember if this is the point. I think it was where they just laid down. They were like, hit me. No, you hit me. No, you hit me. Shibata's like, oh, I'll hit you then. Yeah. Bang! Um, uh, he hits Cassidy, takes him into the corner, hard boot elbows, his drop kick that he does, his signature drop kick, suplex from Shabbat, gets a near fall, puts him in a choke, Cassidy's eyes are bulging out of his head, he makes it to the ropes though, and he hits Shabbat with a backdrop driver. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Cassidy, uh, again, with Tyson cheering him on, hits the uh, hits Shabbat's uh, punt kick, Shabata's like, that's not how you do it, mate. So Cassidy does it again. Shabata no-sells it. Uh, he eventually comes back and effectively hits an orange elbow, is how i describe it. Not quite the orange punch. Looks more, more vicious when it comes from Shabata. Um, Shabata puts him in uh, an ab- abominable stretch. <laughs> uh, transitions to an octopus hold. Again, Cassidy has to go to the ropes. Gets back, though, uh, by countering a suplex with the uh, Stun Dog Millionaire. Shabata hits a Death Valley driver, uh, but Cassidy counters the second one with a stunner. Gets beach break. <laughs> oh, my God. That gets a near fall. Cassidy's like, oh, okay, I suppose I will try and kill a hero of mine. Orange punch. Shabata no-sells it. Orange Cassidy's like, no, what? This isn't what's meant to happen. Shabata puts him in a rear naked choke. Cassidy escapes. Shabata sets up for another punt kick, but Cassidy jumps up, hits him with a second orange punch. One, two, three. Post-match, they shake hands, and then there's the photo that you've seen everywhere with uh, Cassidy and Shabata stood together, um, wearing and Shabata wearing the sunglasses. Just incredible, surreal, almost bittersweet or promising, depending on the perspective you want to apply to this, because I was trying to talk myself out of the full Shibata experience. I still don't think it was that. Mm. I've seen him hit way harder in New Japan. I've seen him get hit way harder. I think it was like it was diluted only slightly, but at the very least, it was something to build on. It was so surreal to watch Black Trunk Shibata that, if you recall, on the preview for this very podcast, um, I noted that he was dressed in his, um, like, training gear, if you like, his yeah. training kit, rather than his full Black Trunks. Like, he's made that iconic to a modern generation of fans, which is ridiculous when <laughs> Antonio Inoki, uh, Inoki wore that same gear. But yeah. for this generation of fans, the Black Trunks and Black Boots is synonymous not with Inoki, but with Shibata, that's how much he's embodied those old strong style principles and just made them even more gruesome and just wonderful and brutal than ever before in the minds of some fans. So when I saw him come out in the black trunks and the black boots, I thought, right, okay, that instantly, a tire can tell a story yes. just as good as ring work or, or, or a microphone. So instantly I'm thinking, right, well, he's wearing those because we're getting a Shibata match. And the first DDT, I was like, Jesus Christ, he's taking bumps on his head. <laughs> he's taking strikes to his head. It was really, really hard to process in the moment because you've got the anxiety. Um, you have an almost ethical guilt of how much you're enjoying this. And ultimately, because it was in America, but not Chicago or New York, I don't think the atmosphere 
was quite there to get it over as this really special more occasion. Reaction from the crowd, it did, it? it did. And maybe, you know, maybe it is a failure on the promotion. I really hate the idea that, oh God, who's he? I have to Google him. But ultimately, <laughs> oh sometimes, God. if it's not reflected in the atmosphere, maybe they could have done something else. Look, I know they did something um, before the bell. Maybe they should have ran something on Rampage, like a nice three-minute highlight reel. They, they obviously are Oh, on Dynamite. Yeah, on Dynamite, Sorry, yeah. yeah. They are in collaboration with New Japan. Yeah. There's a working partnership there. They do have access to the footage, and they've used it before, and they really should have done. Here's three minutes of, oh, shit, here's Shibata. Mm. Because I think a lot of the, the, the hype the conversation certainly surrounding the match was, well, how shabattery, for lack of an actual word, can this get? <laughs> yeah. If they had indicated through a highlight reel of, here's the full experience of the guy you're going to get to see for the first time, really in five years. Maybe they could have done more, um, but the atmosphere just wasn't quite there, and it was really, it was a bit disappointing. I can't get away from it. The fact that they weren't lit up for these striking exchanges, and like they got them mostly, but it wasn't the hottest crowd ever, so that was a bit... Um, a bit disheartening, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I think the story they told, and you've articulated it very well, Willborn, of, can I hit him? And Shibata is routinely, ritually saying, yes, you prick, <laughs> do it, or I will fucking do it for yeah. you. And then it eventually exploded in the last three minutes of this, which is absolutely sublime professional wrestling. I would say one in every three or four podcasts, I make this exact same point. Hopefully the mega fans will forgive me. My favorite thing in all of pro wrestling, right, is making your stuff looks like it's going to hurt and you are going to unleash it with maximum force and conviction even if the actual move isn't going to happen. Like my least favorite thing to watch in all pro wrestling in my adult years was, oh, John Cena's working a match and his opponents to facilitate the moves of doom and a bump and feed for it have to throw that listless, nothing, fake, formulaic, patterned, uh, right, okay, duck this one. Okay, duck this other clothesline. Right, I'll do the sit-out, whatever. When Shibata sort of like pirouetted around with that unbelievable kick that Bobby Fish would be telling CM Punk, that's how you do it. That's how you do it with those <laughs> hips. Exploded those hips into that roundhouse kick that he kind of does where Casty was like, right, if I don't duck, I'm getting concussed. Mm -hmm. But that is the way you have to work, in my opinion, if yeah. you're at that elite level. Watching him explode, I described him on Twitter, and again, the mega fans will forgive me, he's like a cobra or a snake where he can go from these really stoic, still, calm, meditative positions and then just burst forward and explode with a strike. And it's just like, how can you go mm. from like 0 to 140 on a country road <laughs> at that blistering pace? There's a few bits that were a little bit sloppy. Like, I don't think the SDO itself looked particularly good. And obviously there was that. If there's one time to not do the Cena Nakamura backdrop suplex, it was when Shibata is working his first match in five years. That was a bit unfortunate. But yeah, as surreal as it was, this was almost cruel in how promising it was because... Like, Shibata looked so sharp most of the time, and you could tell as this brilliant match with its wonderful storytelling was unfolding that, oh, he's working his way back into it. He's really starting to feel it. His confidence is coming back. The sharpness is coming back. The full brunt of the Shibata experience is coming back, and I don't know when I'm going to get it again. So I hope we get more. If it's medically safe to give me more, I will absolutely take it. This was like almost a cruel hors d'oeuvre where I'm not sure when I'm getting the main. 
Yeah, because it's meant to be Danielson he wants to fight as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's not happening at full gear. We know that yeah. much. Uh, maybe winter is coming. Who the hell knows? But ultimately, this was... Uh, if the uh, Again, it was really hard to process what was happening. Um, but I just wish I could go back and watch it now that I knew what to expect because throughout the live first-time experience, I was like, well, God, is he going to be okay? Mm. What am I getting here? Um, it was weird. It's like pro wrestling exists because of the hype job. It's promotion. I say this all of the time. It's a pro wrestling promotion. You meant to sell, 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 sell this, but it was as much anxiety as incredulity, as fear. I just couldn't register it. I wish the atmosphere was there. Yeah. There's no match I can think of that I would really love to watch a second time than this, but I'm worried it's going to be bittersweet because of the atmosphere. But one thing, the magic is still there, and I really hope to relive it. The moment when he sold the Superman punch... He didn't just roar through it, which is a fine thing to do. The idea is that your spirit, which cannot be measured, might not even be a real thing, Mm -hmm. but you are so full of it that you just roar through the pain because your spirit is telling you something that your pain receptors aren't in that moment, and that's how burning and fierce it is. And then you collapse in agony after the fact. Just the little tweak on that fundamental um, element of strong style, strong style psychology, where he just sort of like gets his jaw back in place. So he's selling it, but at the same time he isn't. Mm. It's like, oh yeah, that one hurt a little bit, but just uh, wait for me to like get my jaw back in place. Right, okay, <laughs> don't do that again. I'm going to show you why you shouldn't. Yeah, just this elusive glimpse of the magic of Shibata, knowing that it's probably not going to amount to a full time run. Certainly in New Japan. Was I would describe this match as surreally, cruelly great, mm. if slightly bittersweet. Yeah, but it was just still so good. Yeah, exactly. And like you say, what a tease for potential Danielson match down the line. Because like you say, when you see him taking these bumps, and not that you're just completely disregarding this match, because it's a really enjoyable watch. But you're watching him do that, and you're going, "Oh my god, Danielson's going to do like the stomping on his head spot." Yeah, if he's taking that, then and it's Danielson, and you can trust him with. Yeah, and uh, he easily would do it in the shoulder, but yeah. they would they would angle it in such a way because they're great workers. Yeah, almost too good to be true is how I would succinctly yeah. describe this match. Uh, time for a couple of backstage interviews. Uh, Lexi Nair first chat with Tony Storm about facing Jamie Hayter at Full Gear, uh, and Storm talks about how. The nice girl she spent the pandemic with has suddenly become a bully and, you know, it's all Britt Baker's fault effectively. She's been manipulated by her. We'll revisit that a little bit later on in this show, of course. Uh, and then I think after a break, Lexi Nair's chatting with uh, Claudio and Brian Danielson and, and Regal's there, obviously Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, and she says, what are your issues with Chris Jericho? And I was like, come on, love. I mean, where, where do we start with this? And Claudio effectively said, like, he's, such a, he's a cheating bastard, basically. Uh, I think Danielson said... I've, I, Rampage isn't long enough for me to list my issues with Chris Jericho. Um, and, and Claudio talks about how the fact, oh, you're facing all these old Ring of Honor champions. I ain't had my rematch yet, so I, I want a, you know, another shot at that Ring of Honor world title. Uh, and then, yeah, Danielson says, you know who else is a Ring of Honor world champion, former Ring of Honor world champion? Me. I want another shot as well. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get the job done sort of thing. And Regal says, there you go, kind of take your pick, basically, Jericho. Uh, more on this later, but I thought they really put over the amount they hate Chris Jericho in this promo. Yeah, absolutely. Look, because I'm fair and consistent, I'm going to point something out that's kind of just not ruining my investment in this, because I'll take it when it comes without being too hyped for any 
iteration at this point of the JASBCC thing, but I often talk about WWE's inability to tell actual stories with twists, with intriguing hooks, and um, all the rest of it. What WWE does, and what I think AEW is guilty of here, is that they establish a premise Mm -hmm. and then just talk about this premise for ages. It's something like the damage control thing, where it's... Bailey's talking about how she wants to assume control of the division and reimagine it in her image and that of damage control. Cool. You say this every single week without meaningfully advancing the story or taking it in, in any interesting, dramatic directions. Ultimately, that's what I'm getting with this. The premise is very simple and, you know, it should be more compelling than it is. You've got this sports entertainment carny who wants to sully the good name of Ring of Honor um, by just doing it to launch or sort of maintain his own career. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the ring, you get the BCC, who are adamant that they want to take the ROH title, and particularly what it stands for, and get it away from Chris Jericho, who's like the corny sucky bus. This premise just gets revisited, and it never changes, and match after match after match mm-hmm. after match, and I'm just getting very bored of it. It's good premise, hardly a really compelling story that at this point is really ran its course. Mm. I don't know when they plan on ending it, but honestly, judging by the conversation online, I suspect it should be being brought to a close. It's been going on forever. I don't think anyone's really like, remember the height of MGF versus CM Punk where I cannot wait for next week. What on earth is going to happen? I can't predict where the story is going to take me, particularly after the and the ADD Riddle Jew Boy mm. um, promo from MGF. We're like, am I meant to be sympathizing with him? <laughs> How on earth is this going to work? Is CM Punk a bad baby face for falling for it? Like, where on earth is this going to take me? I kind of know where this is going to take me, and quite frankly, I'm a little bit bored of it, and I don't sense a single soul online is, oh, God, I can't wait for this next installment of BCC versus JAS yeah. next week. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Then we got Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus uh, Madison Rain and Sky Blue. Um... 
got thrown by this a little bit because I was like, are we still in picture in picture? A lot of oh, this God match I. went on during the break. Um, when we come back, uh, they've been battering Sky Blue for the majority of that, basically. Madison Rain gets the hot tag uh, and goes after her longtime rival, Britt Baker, in the words of Excalibur. Um, catches Baker with a cutter. Uh, Hater comes in and gets uh, Madison Rain with a backbreaker. Baker gets a near fall off a, a, ne- a neckbreaker to Madison Rain. Then Baker and Hater team up, super kick their opponents, um, and then Hater. Back and forth with Madison Rain. Britt Baker's been taken out of all this. And Jamie Hayter's like, well, that's fine because I don't really need you. And just nails um, Madison Rain, I think it was, with a ripcord lariat for the one, two, three. Uh, post-match, Baker gets on the mic and says, yeah, Tony Storm, you're rubbish. Um, and Hayter in the midst of all this is just still trying to kill Madison Rain. And uh, Sky Blue tries to get in. She just gets taken out as well. Storm runs down from the back. Rebel tries to take her out and just gets chinned. Great bump from Reed. Yeah, and uh, a big a big brawl then breaks out between Jamie Hayter uh, and uh, and Tony Storm. They're rolling, and one person's on top, battering the other one, and they do that. In the end, Storm takes over, uh, puts t- Hayter in the Texas Cloverleaf, but then in comes Britt Baker, nails Tony Storm with the women's title. And, uh, yeah, Baker's sort of there trying to give the title to Jamie Hayter, and they taunt her, and they stand over her. What did you make of the match and the, the post-match here, Sid? This Hayter-Storm stuff's the best top-line women's division book, and I think we've seen all year from AEW. Yeah. I'm bang into it. I thought the brawl was great. The These things function to show you a glimpse of the physical chemistry that each performer has ahead of the match, and ultimately I was wanting to watch it there and then, which speaks to the strength of what they can do together, how carefully measured this was, and that it didn't go too long. Um, that got fired up for the match itself, and what I was really pleased with here is that the match itself was not much to write home about. Though it was better than most of Madison Reigns, or if not all, of her matches so far. But Jamie Hayter just bullying Sky Blue <laughs> was such an inspired in-ring parent because the size differential... You know, my son started saying differential because really? he, he watches an American FIFA YouTuber. So when he's talking about... Ah. Um, I was like, saying, oh, I know, because he supports City. Because, you know, he's a glory supporter. <laughs> um, so he was like saying, oh, you know... Because I was like, oh, James, you know, Man City won last gasp. Arsenal still got a game in hand, but for now you're top of the league. He's like, oh, good, what's the goal differential? <laughs> no, I don't know that, James, but I know what the goal difference is. <laughs> um, but ultimately, the size difference between... Hater and Sky Blue just maximized what it is about Jamie Hater that makes yeah. her such a beast. And Sky Blue, I thought, was really sympathetic. And I was thinking, watching this match, I'd really like a singles between these two, actually. And we're getting it on Dynamite this oh, week. There we go. Good stuff. Um, uh, they show a clip of uh, Lamar Jackson, I believe, of the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens, yes. Um, reacting to Jericho's challenge. Um, and then Tony Schiavone's there talking to Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho threatens to kill him again. Um, and uh, he says, you know, I saw the saw you Blackpool Combat Club. Um, how about instead of facing one of you, I face both of you because I don't think you guys can get along. But as well, because he's not an idiot, he's going to put one of his guys in there as well. Uh, he's going to put Sammy Guevara in there and make it a fatal four-way for the Ring of Honor World title at full gear. So are you going to say something? I think I like this, contrary to everything I've just said, burying the storyline, at least in terms of... It's a not-too-stupid version of a four-way match, and I will take it over another Claudio 
Jericho or Jericho Daniels yes. match at yeah. this point. Because I think Guevara can be there to take the fall. And yes, there's not much drama in that. But from a character perspective, have we seen any vague, vague hints of Claudio and Danielson not getting along? Well, they argued about the whole you Yes, stuff, okay, they? okay, okay. Yeah. That, I wish they'd... Maybe that's where Jericho's coming from. And yeah. I don't think they like each other. Because they are... Oh, you know what? I like that. I like that. Mm. They're gonna. They, he said they're basically gonna beat the cra- beat the holy crap out of each other, and him and his little buddy Sammy will make sure the right yeah. person leaves his ring of honor world champion. I did like Sammy's very brief face at yes. the end of this. I'm just like, ah. Uh? As, as insofar as these things go, I think that's half decent, right? He understands that Claudio and Danielson are kind of arguing over um, what the complexion of the BCC should look like, mm-hmm. and Daniel Garcia. And I want to kill him. No, I want to kill him. Yeah. So the idea is that, right, if he thinks they're going to just go away and do that, then Samuel lied down and he gets a very easy systematic cheating sort of title defense out of it successfully. So he's getting away with one. Chris Jericho does not book the company. And Sammy Guevara, I've watched him lose and lose and lose and lose and lose to Moxley and Danielson to name but two um, over the last recent times I've seen him in the ring. Then again, he did pin. Sammy Guevara got the pin in that tag team match, didn't he? To much controversy after yes, the Andrade Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. So hopefully they can re-emphasize that because otherwise I'm afraid he's going to beat Danielson. Yeah, because he's got Danielson, yeah, two out of three falls on Wednesday. I think Danielson doesn't need um, any more wins realistically to buy him in the context of a title match, but Guevara kind of does, so that has me worried. But that is preview content. In fact, I'm off on Wednesday, so it isn't. I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried that Guevara, who's obviously going to take the fall, is going to go over Danielson, who really does not need to absorb one single more no. loss, particularly since I can't see him winning in a four-way at full gear. Plus, you, I mean, we've talked before about how the fact that they've kind of not got so obsessed with the rankings anymore. You can argue that in the negotiations for a full gear that happened, I don't know, in 10 minutes on this show, because it was confirmed later on, that... Jericho said, I will defend against both of them, but my stipulation is this guy has to be in the match as well. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like, right, those are the top three guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and as I mentioned, Tony Schiavone chatted with uh, Guevara separately late, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk about the whole... I just thought, what's going on here with Chris Jericho? He's going to fight Danielson. He wants to fight him two out of three falls and prove he's the better man, basically. Uh, but in between that, uh, the return of Ricky Starks. Oh, yeah. Um, lovely shoes, here. Yeah. And you notice then. Just such a piece. What did you make of his line? Because I wasn't sure how to feel about it, and I thought I'd just ask you and take your thoughts instead on him saying, people talking about being pillars, or being proud of being pillars of AW whilst things are crumbling round here. Uh, Ill-advised. Yeah. I hate the idea. It's a bit WCW, I, I just thought And a bit feddy. And a bit feddy. I don't like the idea of presenting the organization as incompetent. I don't like I don't really like the idea in general of the organization being organization being like a massive character in itself, if you like. I grew up watching wrestling. And they've managed it once where the WWF and the War for its soul or whatever in the Attitude Era was really compelling. When I grew up watching it, it was just the backdrop to the sporting card and the characters involved in it. I just instantly read it as, oh, well, of course it's competent, and of course it's meaningful, and the very second that someone infringes on its values and takes the piss, you've got Big Jack Tony, who's the face, mm-hmm. very boring face <laughs> of this organization, saying, no, it doesn't cut it here, it's not 
fair. We won't have it here. It's like, oh, good. I can believe in this company. That is from the perspective of a child, but it always stuck with me that it's a competent, functional, fair organization that is just the most powerful thing, but not so much so that it's got all of its talents under the thumb. Yeah. You know what I mean? I still like the idea of a wrestling company coming out and saying, oh, we're a bit incompetent or it's a bit chaotic. It's like, well, why am I watching it then? Yeah. It hardly breeds trust in the process. Yeah, and you, yeah, you, you don't get someone saying, I'm a real star in this Premier League, so I don't need to go over to La Liga. Yeah. I don't need any of that. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but the rest of what Rick Stark oh, said, oh, I yeah. really, really liked. He's announced he's going to be in the uh, Eliminator one, which I think we predicted on the preview, um, and talks about the fact he's going to win the whole thing and then face whoever's the world champion. Uh, he's going to face, he could face John Moxley, who spilled so much blood for this company, but what happens when the blood dries up? Uh, and he had a really nice night, and I've forgotten to write it down here, but I'm going to try and, and probably butcher it here, about MJF, um, saying that, you know, what happens when a sort of generational talent faces an absolute one? Uh, and he talks a lot, love him being back in front of the crowd, and they love him, and they love when he does the pose, and blah, blah, blah. Um, he's putting both men on notice. He's going he's gonna to win it all. Yeah, beyond the pillars line, this was typically great stuff. You could tell he hadn't done it in a while, but that didn't detract from my enjoyment. Um, lots of nice quips. I love it. I told you this when... Um, Dalton Castle came out to confront Chris Jericho. I love it when a wrestler gets high on their own charisma. Yes. I just love a wrestler being powered by their own charisma. I just love it when mm. they're in love with themselves, and Ricky Starks <laughs> is, and it's great. Um, what I also liked, other than it's just genuinely great delivery, is that he um, had he put Mox and MGF in their match on equal footing, and he made it sound like, oh, it could be either of them. Mm. And... AEW does not do anywhere near enough to um, make it seem like the outcome is completely split. They telegraph the hell out of far too many things. Like MGF all but said that Mox was winning the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions, and that was, um, yeah, it kind of undermines slightly my enjoyment of it. But ultimately, they made that main event feel like it is wide open mm. when logic would dictate that MGF's going to win. But you don't tell me that. Your quick thoughts on this this tournament. I've just I forgot to to, to mention it. Uh, it's been confirmed. So uh, the brackets on the left hand side of the the draw, you've got Eddie Kingston versus Ethan. Does that go down this Wednesday? Yeah, and then the other Eddie Kingston versus Ethan Page. Sorry, um, on Wednesday on Dynamite. Then also on that side of the bracket, you've got Bandido versus Roosh, uh, and then on the other side, Ricky Starks faces Lance Archer, and the winner of that would face Brian Cage or Dante Martin. I said this beforehand. The whole point is we're going and going, it's probably going to be Ethan Page who wins this whole thing. But you need to add some other people in there. Ricky Starks is absolutely someone, I would, pun intended, uh, that I would buy winning this tournament, as is someone like Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I don't think Kingston's going to win. No. Um, I think it's going to further his, he's kind of lost it arc. Spiraling. But what I love about this, I would say the probable final at this point is Starks versus Ethan Page. Yes. And when I talk about telegraphing and making it obvious who's going to win certain matches. Khan's got this really weird problem with it. He does so many hard things and pulls it off. And sometimes with the basics and the easy mm. things, he just fails and it's so odd. It's like a footballer who can't do a short pass but can spray a diagonal and like the, like the winger wouldn't have to break his run or anything mm. like that. I'm basically putting over Kieran Trippier. He's been winning again at the weekend. 20% of me loved it. If you know, you know. 20% of my heart <laughs> loved that. Um, but ultimately, with Ricky Starks having an in-ring promo here, 
and Ethan Page being almost the face of the tournament and the first man to enter, you've given equal billing to the two probable finalists. So I think that if they continue this and don't make it any more obvious, then I'm going to watch that final, if in fact that is the final at full gear, and think, right, okay, let's go. I'm going to buy on every near four. Let's go, because I can't really um, call it, and I think every near near four will have loads of drama. There's some really nice stories underneath this, Bandido and Roosh. Mm -hmm. The idea that we're going to see... Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks revisited it. Yes. That should be really, really fun. At the same time, you've got the slight thing of, oh, Lance Archer versus Brian Cage could be a fun monster mash. So you can see them going in that direction, even though they're obviously not. But yeah, I think this is mostly, at least when we get to the semis, and some of it in the quarters, unpredictable star versus star fair, which, again, is tournaments, usually in the quarter quarterfinal bracket it's like <laughs> right i can name every single person who's going advancing to the semi yeah. so what's even the point that isn't the case here no i don't think at least with one match yeah major full gear developments though and look at that look at the time well, looks like we've had enough time it's time for the main event do you swap the button or do you rotate this button and do it like 1.5 speed and 2. <laughs> it always bends my understanding of like time. It feels like it gets longer every yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, um, I should mention as well, Prince Nana uh, got a nice promo beforehand and Wardlow, uh, we'll talk more about this at the end actually, but Wardlow goes, yeah, shut up, Joe. Um, I'm going to... Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and try that again on me, powerhouse. I was trying to jump me, basically, and, and, well, we'll see where that goes uh, after this. But, yeah, Joe kind of got a bit mugged off twice here. Um, <laughs> not in the match, though, because he bit totally owner in the year. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> but but uh, Khan uh, caught him with a clothesline from the ring apron. Gates of Agony take over as we go to the break. It really cuts the balls off matches, doesn't it, this, with the picture-in-picture yeah. stuff here. But anyway, we come back. Joe catches Khan with an Uranagi, brings in Wardlow, and Wardlow just runs wild, uh, hits a pair of German suplexes on uh, Khan, um, and Toliano, who's a big old lad, eventually gets hit after he gets bounced off the ropes. By the way, Khan's in incredible shape. I ripped. Um Gets a spine buster, does Wardlow, near fall. Nice little touch that with the powerhouse hob stuff, obviously. Uh, and then Joe pulls uh, Leona out of the ring. He's choking him out on the floor. Uh, Wardlow does his big way lariat thing that he does. Uh, Nana jumps up on the, the ring apron. He gets hit with a right hand from Wardlow. That gives them uh, a bit of hope. Uh, but Wardlow drops him with a head, drops Khan with a headbutt. Uh, four acts of the fat powerbomb symphony. Pins him, one, two, three. Uh, yeah, Leona can only watch on as the life drains out of him. Joe chokes him out on the floor. Post-match, Hobbs comes out on the stage, mention, um, uh, motions for the belt, and he's going to come down to the ring. And uh, you think Wardjo are going to you know, deal with him. It's Wardjo. Wardlow problems a little bit here. Wardlow's a bit like, out of the way, Joe. I'll take it here. And Joe just looks for a split second like, don't. You know, discount Don't me. Piss me off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, and the stare down and the little, yeah, Joe over the sho shoulder of Wardlow thing closed out this show. What's ironic about this weekend of professional wrestling, okay, is that they showed you what Braun Strowman very arrogantly and annoyingly told people. Yes, there is a, a genuine art to this type of wrestling, and it's really universally enjoyable, they didn't hop onto Twitter like dickheads afterwards <laughs> yes. and be knobs about it. They simply showed you, right, we're just going to do some really beastly, fun, power guy stuff. And it was just ridiculously entertaining. It wasn't a blow away great match. And, you know, it was just 
big dumb fun, but that undersells it. So some quite subtle stuff, as mm. you said, with the the way that they never really brought up on commentary, the way that Samoa Joe never really overegged his reaction. He just yeah. kind of he reacted believably in a naturalistic way. Ah, you're too big, big for your boots, lads. I'm mm. still the one who's kind of mentoring you, if anything. So lots to look ahead to there. Potentially some exciting directions. And a very bold choice because Wardlow's kind of done the Lesnar thing by doing the power bombs in place of the suplexes. But we also got the suplexes here, and they looked absolutely tits. These nuts? No. <laughs> no. That was a call back to the sign at um, Crown Jewel, of course. Yes, of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, I changed the buttons and didn't say anything. Wardlow, suplexes looked great, and it was just a it really... It was the nuts. It was the nuts, and it was just like a really nice, cathartic... The big guys you like, beat up the big guys you don't like. That's a bit too literal as well because no one really cares about the gates of agony. But, yeah, you know, they, they yeah. were good. It was really, on a spectacle level, very pleasing to watch Wardlow, our beast, suplex, dangerously close to the next fellow monsters. <laughs> I just had a lot of fun with this. And then by the end, I was like, all right, okay, Hobbs is going to come out and it's going to be this. But, oh, it was an interesting, very naturalistic wrinkle and I think Wardlow versus Joe, as much as I've been kind of down on Joe, like, that'll be big. At least with Joe, he can still work a bit, and he's still got the aura. Mm. And if you put him in a big-time match with a big-time build, hopefully this is the first, like, seed or tease of which, yeah. then it can be good, even if I'm not the biggest Joe guy anymore. Also, and this is a, a real sign of how much I enjoyed Rampage that I continue to think about after the show finished, it finished, I was like, oh, I'm kind of disappointed that's already over because I was excited. It went off on a hot angle of like, oh, I, oh, I can't wait for Powerhouse Hobbs and Wardlow to have a, to get their hands on each other on a fair footing, obviously, because he just keeps spine busting after matches and from behind and what have you. But I also thought the age old thing that we say of like, all right, but if you watch the show back, then why wouldn't Wardlow go, ooh, because with the Joe thing. But it's but so jo- subtle. Joe is incredibly subtle. And in my head, if Wardlow re-watches this show, he's still like, I hate Powerhouse yeah. Hobbs. Look at him there on the ramp. And he just pays no attention to the... the- and that's the difference. There's, a mis- there's not a misunderstanding here. It's just a very, very subtle display of body language that can be interpreted a certain way. Mm-hmm. But again, was performed so subtly that if Wardlow did in fact watch it back, he'd become the inside guy. Make a stupid noise. <laughs> Say something stupid, Wilborn. Just call me Butter Baby. I'm on a roll. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Because you're getting too insightful for your own good, because that's a really good take. And it's one that really reaffirms my takes, actually. So. <laughs> actually. A bit of synergy, yeah. Hey. Right, let us know your thoughts on AW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch well, You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, for daily wrestling podcasts, the Crown Jewel review is available right now. And me, Sidge, and Hamlet will be back later on today to look ahead to all the fallout from Crown Jewel on Monday Night Raw wow. with our preview. Uh, but for now, this has been the AW Rampage review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.